0: Good to see you this morning. I hope you've been enjoying your weekend so far. I have to confess that I always have a hard time saying that on Memorial Day weekend because um, certainly we all enjoy picnics and getting together with family, but we never want to forget the reason um, for this weekend, that there have been men and women who have died for us to be able to enjoy those freedoms. So um, I'm grateful for that. You may have noticed, wondering maybe you're wondering where David has been. Last Sunday, he was officiating a wedding in New York. And this Sunday, he is the father of the bride in Alabama. So um, you can be praying for the Lyle family as they are totally celebrating a whole new season in the life of their daughter. I'm super excited because today is Pentecost Sunday. And some of you, uh, you know, you may know exactly what that means. Some of you may be like, Okay, okay, I think I know what Pentecost is and why it's important. And some of you may be like, yeah, no clue. Uh, But no matter what at all, um, I'm sure that I hope that by the end of this morning, we'll all have a better understanding of what it is and why it's important. But even more than that, we'll be just as excited about what it means for us as the invisible church. So we're actually going to spend a good deal of our time in the book of Acts but we really cannot understand the significance of the day of Pentecost that we read about there unless we start all the way back in Genesis. And some of you be like, are you kidding me right now? Like what on earth does Genesis have to do with Pentecost in the book of Acts? There is so much it has to do with it. Um, I wish I could express how much I love God's word more and more all the time. The Bible is not just 66 random books put together in some haphazard way and print it all at the same time because it's more convenient that way. Um, there's actually, this is actually one entire story from beginning to end, same story. There are quite a few writers, but there is one author. Every single word of it has been breathed out by the Holy Spirit through men with unique personalities spanning various continents, multiple languages, thousands of years, all kinds of different cultures. But with all of that, its continuity is impeccable. The story is the same. And actually, it's about what we've been learning in Ephesians, that from the beginning, God's master plan has been to unite all things in Christ. And he does that through the church And that's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. Because of all the things God could have done and all the ways he could have done them, he chose to accomplish his ultimate purpose through us, the church. And so as I said, to better understand the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts, we've got to start back in Genesis. So when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them these instructions. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. And subdue it. Not long after, Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God's authority, choosing instead to give in to the desires of their flesh, the result of which was spiritual death and separation from God, not just for themselves, but for all of humanity. Genesis 3 ends with God casting Adam and Eve out of his presence, while also making them a hope filled promise that he will bring beauty from ashes. He would send his son to right their wrong, cover their shame and guilt, and bring them back to himself. This first announcement of the gospel, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, sets in motion the events of the rest of the entire Bible. God's will has always been to create a people for himself and to dwell with them in perfect joy, peace, and unity. His will has always been for the church to be the means through which that happens, all to the praise of his glory. So there's certainly a whole lot that happens in Genesis after that. Immediately, we see the devastating effects of sin, and it only keeps getting worse. In the course of time, God sends the flood, the waters eventually subside, and Noah's family starts all over again. As a matter of fact, God repeats to Noah's family what he said to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. They increased, but they also continued in their sinful ways. So we're going to pick the story up in Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Did you catch that? They didn't want to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But what had God directed from the very beginning? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. So once again, the people thought they knew better. And they rebelled against the plans and purposes that God had set in motion before the foundation of the world. But nothing and no one will keep God from accomplishing his purposes, not even our sinful rebellion. He uses all things for his glory, and his will will be done. So let's keep reading in Genesis 11. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. of all the earth. God's will will be done. The rest of the Old Testament story of how God, is how God set apart a people for himself through whom he would accomplish his sovereign purposes. And the common thread woven throughout the entire story is the promise of a coming Messiah who would rescue God's people from their bondage to sin setting them free to live with and for him forever. So the New Testament opens with the coming of Jesus into the world. God himself as Christ steps into human history and becomes a man to accomplish the rescue and redemption of his people from every nation, language, and culture scattered across the face of the earth. Jesus came to the earth to do the Father's will to accomplish the purposes determined before the foundation of the world. And he did that by living a perfectly obedient life, sacrificially dying on a cross and rising from the dead, all in our place. Up on that cross, Jesus bore our sin, shame, and guilt. And now, because of his resurrection, by grace, through faith, we can be forgiven and receive salvation, exchanging our sin for his righteousness. So right before he descended, I'm sorry, right before he ascended into heaven, Jesus gave the disciples their commission. And we read it almost every week at the end of our service. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So do you know what Jesus was saying to them? He was saying that the grand story continues, but now it's through his disciples that it's going to be carried out. As a matter of fact, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. And as far as he was concerned, it was just one big story. In my former book, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. So Luke goes on to say that in the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension, he appeared to his disciples a bunch of different times, giving them more and more proof that he was really alive and teaching them about the kingdom of God. But on one occasion in particular... Jesus gave them specific instructions. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Although they didn't really understand it, the disciples would never be able to carry out the Great Commission without the Holy Spirit. And this is the very last thing Jesus said to them. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples really had no idea how profoundly their lives would change when the Holy Spirit came. 10 days later, listen to what happened. They were all together And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it then that each of us hears it in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? That was the day of Pentecost. So the word Pentecost is actually the Greek name for a festival known in the Old Testament as the Feast of Weeks. It kicked off on Passover and it lasted for 50 days. During the Feast of Weeks, the Jews expressed gratitude for God's faithful and abundant provision. But they also celebrated their deliverance from captivity as well as God's dwelling among them. And so look at this. Jesus was crucified during the Passover. The one who came and dwelled among them was the one who died and rose again to deliver from captivity all those who will trust in his shed blood. He was on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection, and then after his ascension, the disciples waited for 10 more days for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 50 days. Pentecost. Not only that, but do you see how this is, in essence, the reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel, determined to do it in their way and to rely on their own strength, power, and ingenuity, God scattered the people and confused their languages. But now, in his way and in his time and for his purposes, he is uniting all things, all people in Christ Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, rich and poor, men and women, Steelers and Browns fans. I don't know about you, but I am blown away by that kind of stuff all throughout God's word. It's that kind of detail woven all throughout this one unified story that speaks to the glory of God and the brilliance with which he works out his perfect plans and purposes. Before that day, the disciples were frightened and unsure about what the future was going to look like. But when the Spirit came at Pentecost, they were emboldened and resolved to carry on Jesus' ministry. And on that day, the church was born. That's what the book of Acts, and really the entire rest of the New Testament, is all about. Without question, The day of Pentecost was one of the most important days in the entire story of redemption. So I don't know if you remember, but at the end when everyone was speaking in different languages and the people were like, what does this mean? Well, that's when Peter took the opportunity to explain to the thousands who were gathered in Jerusalem everything that had happened there that day. He explained that Jesus was crucified according to God's set plans and purposes and that the outpouring of the Spirit was the fulfillment of what God had promised he would do in the last days. He quotes the prophet Joel, who hundreds of years before had prophesied about that very day. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I have had more than one conversation with folks over the years who have said how much they wish they could have been alive when Jesus was here physically. But the thing is, Jesus actually said it was best that he leave. Jesus consistently taught his disciples that he had to go so the Spirit could come. Jesus left the glory of heaven to become a human being, to do what we never could do on our own. He perfectly obeyed the Father and made our restoration to him possible. But as a man, he could only ever be in one place at a time. But after sending his spirit to indwell believers, his presence would be with them wherever they went. God put a piece of himself in his children And through them, gospel, hope, and power would exponentially spread all over the globe. As Paul writes in Romans, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. The whole point of the book of Acts is to show that what Jesus did and taught in his earthly ministry, he is now doing from heaven Seated at the right hand of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit through the church. Ordinary men and women like you and me who long to be and make fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And Acts emphasizes our desperate need for the Holy Spirit to do that. He's not reserved for a special class of people. No, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Therefore, the gift of the Holy Spirit is promised to whoever repents and trusts in Jesus, no matter their education, age, occupation, By the power of the Spirit, every Christ follower gets to participate in God's plan to unite all things in Christ through the church. So what we see all throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament is this. We see the true nature of gospel community. We see believers living their everyday, ordinary lives on mission together. We see the fundamental pillars of the church and how we are to live out the twin towers of our calling in the great commandments to love God and love others and in the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. The church born on the day of Pentecost had a clear mission and they needed supernatural power from God to fulfill that mission. So we're about 2,000 years removed from that specific time and place. Our God, however, has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has called us to the exact same mission. The people who were gathered on that first day of Pentecost are all long dead. But we have learned that even though they are dead, they are still a part of us, right? They are members of the invisible church. But formal, it's our time now. Every last one of us who are in Christ, we are now the ones who are called by God and empowered through the Spirit to go and make disciples. This is what it's all about. This is all that it's about. Being on mission for God is living all of life for his glory. It's having everything transformed by the gospel, and therefore we are never not on mission. Mission isn't just something we do at church in a list of things that we do. We don't just make one line item in our budget to designate toward mission. The entirety of what we do is mission, it's who we are. First and foremost, We're called to live our everyday, ordinary lives on mission for God. That's part A. As believers, we are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit with all of these tools to help us be and make disciples in all the places that we live, work, and play. On mission for God, all day, every day. All those things that you see in blue, that's what we're calling our local mission programs here in the tri-state region. So you'll notice that preschool is listed, right? So do you know what that means? That means that Marcy's a missionary at preschool along with the rest of her staff. Rick and his staff are missionaries at our childcare centers. Courtney, Nikki, and Diane are missionaries to our students. I could go on, but hopefully you get the idea. Every one of those items in blue are opportunities that we have to partner with one another in more specific and targeted areas of ministry, But none of them are more important than any other. The staff and the elders are constantly evaluating the needs around us, the effectiveness of the ministries in which we're engaged, and any ways that we can adjust to better serve the kingdom of God for his glory. So by the way, here's what we are considering, the tri-state region. That smaller dot, that blue dot is us. And that larger blue circle covers everything within a 30-mile radius from us. That's about as far that we think someone might be willing to drive to be an active and engaged covenant partner with 4 Mile Church. This is our target area because this is where we all live. You know, we've spent a good deal of time in the book of Acts this morning learning how God launched the early church. And in Acts 17, we read that God actually determines when and where we live. And so what that means is that he has determined that we all live right here, right now, in this tri-state region. And he intends to work through all of us to reach this region with the gospel. But let's get back to that previous slide. In orange are just a few examples of what we would consider our beyond. These are past the 30-mile radius. And some of us may very well be called to a beyond. And when we discern that that's God's will, we want to do everything we can to get behind it. But this we know for sure. We are all called right where we are. We are all missionaries right here in the tri-state region. We are the church in 2023. Meant to do and be what we see in the New Testament. So the band is going to come up. But as they do, church, I want to remind us, we are on a mission. We've got a, we've got a commission straight from Jesus. I don't know the reason that relatively few of you have signed up to start getting trained up in each one of these pillars. But for mile, we can do better. I know it. We've got to do better. It is a matter of eternal life and death for all those that God has called us to reach in this tri-state region for his glory. We're never gonna not be about these pillars because this is God's design. This is what we see in scripture. This is what we have been called to. And we're just gonna keep working at it until we get it. Um, We're actually gonna retool how we're doing it a little bit starting in September and you'll hear more about that over the summer. But I can tell you this once I turn my page. (laughs) If that doesn't work, we're gonna try it again from another angle. Because this is it. This is what we're to be about. There's no plan B. This is God's master plan to unite all things in Christ through the church. And this is how it's done. So Formal, we are a church on mission. It's all we do. It's all that we are about. Jesus gave us our marching orders. We've got the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating that today on Pentecost. He's with us. So let's go. Let's go. So I'm going to put this slide up here. You've seen it over and over and over again. We're going to pray corporately at the end of our service on our way out. But now is the time for you to to sit and and, and think about the fact that you are united with those early disciples 2,000 years ago who on a day that very much may have looked like today, the Holy Spirit came and empowered them and it changed their lives forever. Everything they were about was about Jesus and the church. And we have to decide, are we going to be a part of that story or are we not? Consider that pray about that ask God to show you what that will look like in your everyday ordinary life which will look different probably from your neighbor but when we're all about what God's called us to do using the tools and the spirit that he has given us to do so he will do more than we can ask or imagine let's pray and think about that